This episode is brought to you by McDonald's. Not sure you've heard of them. <laughs> Up and coming uh, little restaurant, but they're making it. They're the little engine that could. You know, the moment of bliss when you spot your fries being scooped into the carton and suddenly time slows down. I have that all the time. I love their fries. Oh, yeah. yes. McDonald's fries hit different when they're free. That's another thing I'll tell you. And when they belong to your friends, there's no better feeling than thinking you're out of fries and then you discover extra fries at the bottom of your bag or else my son still hasn't finished his fries yeah. and I'm done with mine. And uh, he used to be weaker than me so I could just take them. Yeah. Now I can't because he's stronger than me. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no wrong way to eat McDonald's fries, but we all think our way is the best way. And I like stealing them from someone else. That's my favorite <laughs> way. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. McDonald's, check them out sometime. They're everywhere. How's your sock drawer looking? It's messy. There's a lot of single socks. Yep. I think it's time for a little spring cleaning. Oh. <laughs> Check out Bombas. Once you try a pair, you'll never look at socks the same way again. I should know. I like my Bombas. Their spring collection has new garden party socks that bring the party to your feet. My feet have never been to a party. <laughs> They've so got sad. stripes and florals and new vintagey colored rib socks. You know, when I'm wearing Bombas, I feel like my feet are being caressed okay. and cared for in a way they never have been in my life. Hmm. Get comfy this spring and give back with Bombas. Head over to bombas.com slash Conan and use code Conan for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash Conan and use code Conan at checkout. <laughs> Hi, my name's Bill Burr, and I feel great about being Kona's best friend because I know if he's an Irish guy, he probably can't handle a compliment. Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walk in blues, climb the fence, books and pens, I can tell that we are going to be friends. Hey there, welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. Uh, this is the podcast where basically I'm talking to some of my favorite people I've had on the show over the years. I love them, but no friendship ever really developed. Uh, I'm trying to see if we can make that happen here. I'm aided by my trusty assistant, Sonam Obsessian. Hey, Sona. Hi. And uh, Mr. Matt Gorley. Hi. Uh, yeah. What was that? That was a weird, quick... Because of, that was almost a Japanese, hey, hey. Yeah. I thought you were going to speak, so I cut it off mid-word. Okay. Well, that's, I guess, your job here is to interrupt the host. That was a mistake. Um, I am really excited about today's guest. Uh, he is one of my favorite uh, comedians. Uh, we have a lot in common. And uh, I think he's uh, one of the most original comedy voices uh, of the last decade. I'm talking about Bill Burr. Bill, I'm thrilled you're here because I absolutely uh, love you. Uh, you're one of the funniest people out there. And uh, we've we've gotten to know each other a little bit, but uh, this is a nice chance maybe. Yes. Maybe we'll hang out here today doing this podcast. And at the end, you'll say, you know what? I want, I want Conan in my life. Do you think that's possible? Oh, I thought you were going to go the other way. Maybe yeah. I don't feel great about Conan after talking that to him. That could go that way. Look, I'll be honest with you. It could go that way. It could happen that way. No, man. I got to tell you, doing like um, like the level of respect I now have doing a panel on talk shows is is because of all those, the great back and forth that I, I've I've had with you and Andy. And what I've always, you know, said is you're like an old school guy where if the guest kill is killing, you know, the show is killing. I always know you know where I'm going, but you always pretend like you don't, and yeah. you just lead me down there. And then Andy always jumps in like the good cop to nice it up if I said something too too far. It's, yeah. It really just, it, it works. No, it's nice that uh, I, I like comedians to score as much as they can score, because I always think that's good for the show. And I've had some of them tell me over the years that they were with other hosts, and they were like, yeah, I, you know... He didn't, I could tell he didn't want me to score that much. And I thought, yeah. why? You're out there for an hour every night. You well, want the And other all people person do is when they talk about, is talk about how hard you're laughing. Yeah. Because I know when I watch the Carson clips, that's what I'm watching. 
because that was like, you know, the, the, the holy grail. And if you could get that guy going, like, uh, and everybody would, I remember back in the day, just watching Johnny Carson or even like Letterman or something. I remember yeah. Chris Farley had an, he, he had won a panel. Like that was like a big thing as a comic coming up, like to be good at panel. I feel like it's becoming like a lost art. And uh, so I always wanted to be good at it. And George Goldblatt, I used to watch all of those guys. But I saw Chris Farley on, Dave, on David Letterman. It was the hardest. He was already making him laugh. And he said, so what happened when you went to college? And Chris did one of those weird voices. He goes, well, Dave, the trouble continued. Something like that. <laughs> and just the way he did it and the timing. Yep. Like, I want to say Dave put his head down on the desk. But it was, it was, a, it was a gut laugh. Yes. Yeah. And I was just, and I remember thinking just as I, I think I had just started doing stand up. I was like tracking, you know, already tracking laughs. Yep. And I was like, he got a gut laugh from David Letterman. I mean, that that's like. This is what, this is what I compare it to. I always had a keen eye for what made my dad laugh. Mm-hmm. And if someone really made my dad laugh or someone on TV really made my dad laugh, I noticed it. And I would feel that way when I would watch Johnny Carson as a kid. I would, oh, was I, would best. I would watch him because I'm watching a guy, an adult who I res- really respect, and they're and they're laughing hard. And as a kid, you're like, okay, that's really cool. Yeah, that I want to be guy, able to do that. I want to be able to do that. And I remember it was uh, Buddy Hackett. I think Buddy Hackett yep. used to make Johnny laugh harder than anybody. Oh, and they'd be coming back from the commercials because he told all the dirty jokes during the commercials. Yes. You know, the, the classic two guys walk into a bar. My da- for my dad, it was uh, uh, Foster Brooks. Uh, back when alcoholism was funny. Alcoholism was hilarious. Yeah. There was this guy whose whole career was pretending <laughs> to be drunk, and everybody loved it. I mean, everybody loved it. And then one day, everybody said— Alcoholism isn't funny, and it was yeah. over for Foster Brooks. I yeah. think. Is he advocating beating your children and yeah. not remembering it the next day? Um, you know what's funny is that guy never drank. No, no, he was a total so teetotaler. What, yeah. And what I loved was after he would do it, he always made like a, mo- a lot of his appearances. He he made sure he did this big dramatic bow, like that was just a performance, so like you knew, and it was like very like. It's like Don Rickles at the end of his act would always sing "I'm a Nice Guy" to show people, you know, I kid. <laughs> And after just going after everyone for a solid hour, he would sing a song. And I talked to Bob Newhart once, and he used to say, like, lose the song. Everyone, they just love that you do that. They don't need the song. Yeah, we know. know And Rickles was like, no, 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 I need to do that. I need to let people know. It was probably for him then. Do you remember that Buddy Hackett? Buddy Hackett did a special one time. Uh, Me and DeRosa were watching. It was hilarious. It was just all street jokes, just the dirtiest stuff, you know, absolutely hilarious. And then in the end... He was singing a song because his daughter had grown up and fallen in love and was getting married, and he was sad about it. And he just sang this sad well, song. I never heard of this. He just no. sang this sad song and closed his special on it. It gets unbelievable. It was later in his career. It was like one of those days when you, when you first got a cable. It was HBO, Showtime, and uh, Cinemax. It was like somewhere. Might have been a Cinemax special. I don't even remember. But uh, yeah, he he closed out a special singing a sad song, and everybody's just like, "Wow, that's really sad." What else you got? And it's just like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Good night, everybody. No, <laughs> this is the thing that makes me crazy about comedians uh, in general and comedy in general. There's this idea that's been around for a long, long time. Uh, I remember, um, uh, I think Billy Crystal did some movie, and his manager or someone said to him, now you've finally arrived. And Billy said, why? And he said, because you made me laugh, but you also made me cry. And I think, what? I have no interest in ever, ever making anyone cry. It is not something that interests me. And all my favorite comics, (laughs) like W.C. Fields, I love W.C. Fields, or the Marx Brothers or the Three Stooges, they don't care about making you cry. I never bought into that idea that you got to make them laugh, but then at the end... You got to bring a little tear to the right. No, you don't. <laughs> Go slice an onion, you know, but like I mean, you don't need to do that. That's one way to do it. But I look at it like people are coming to the show to get away from that. And that's why a lot of times, you know, comics get in trouble for jokes about sensitive stuff. And it's like that, like a lot of people, they don't understand that that is, is part of humor where it's like, no, you make the joke because you don't want to feel the pain. It's yes. not that you're not taking it seriously, but like, you know, I've done shows for troops and, you know, they tell me some of the jokes when they're on the battlefield and they see dead bodies and stuff or whatever, like yeah, yeah, the yeah. jokes that they make, you know, cops, you know, seeing all the carnage that they see, car accidents and firemen and all that. They all have the jokes they have to make to take, uh, other than that, we're just going to sit there in the sadness of it. So the problem is, is people take it as like, you know, uh, disrespect. And now with all this, this 
childish behavior on the internet right now, which is why I'm just regressing back to MeTV. Just to avoid the internet, you watch old TV shows on MeTV. Yeah, I, I like it because I, I um, you know, what the stuff that I'm getting to do now because of the tickets that I'm selling, yeah. the last thing we did the other day was, yeah, yeah. was insane. And it was just like, to keep me, uh, you know, I coming home, I really enjoy being a dad. I like doing the dishes and I like coming home being like ridiculously normal. So now I'm just, I'm overcompensating to just kind of balance it out. So that's why I was telling you earlier that I went to the grocery store today and I saw on the rack, I saw Reader's Digest. I'm like, I used to love that, man. I just got that. You've got your, so you're reading Reader's Digest. You're watching me shows TV. from the, from the 19, early 60s. I'm going home tonight. I'm going to make some pumpkin bread. <laughs> Just going all nuts for uh, the what holidays. Happened? What, what, what happened? <laughs> this is so funny because you're pretty new. You're pretty new to being a dad. I love it though. And you and and I remember talking to you beforehand. You had some trepidation. You know, you were like, I don't know, there's going to be a big change, right? That's and, the funniest thing you're ever going to say that I had some trepidation about. It. I was terrified. I always wanted to, and I actually wanted to have like a big family and everything, but. Uh, you know, the things that happened to me that made me end up getting into this business made that always seem like it was a year away until I finally, I just decided like, hey, this is my choice. I know I'm with the right person. And then just, you know, it's one of those, a lot of, like a lot of things in life, you think it's a mountain and you're just stepping up onto a curb or stepping off it or whatever. And you, you think that, you know, you know, the whole world cares. Everybody's paying attention to your problems, all of that shit. So, so how, so this is a, this is a question because this is where we can probably relate is growing up. We both grew up. In the seventies, mm-hmm. parented in the seventies. So I was I was sort of an overlap seventies into the eighties. Okay, seventies and the eighties. I'm I'm uh, I'm older than you. I was uh, I was mostly seventies, right. and uh, and I'm one of six siblings. Mm-hmm. Six Me too. Siblings. I'm one okay, of six. so here's the thing: it's chaos. You know, I love yeah. my parents, and they did a fine job. But it was chaos uh, in in a lot of respects. Somebody gave me a three star review. Yeah, I just did. Hey, it was good food, you know. <laughs> yeah, I gave. I just gave yeah, my. Pa- hungry? It's I not just, bad. I just gave my parents an okay Yelp review. <laughs> they got, they got one Michelin star. Yeah, they get no Michelin star. The food wasn't great, but they did what they could. But it was it was chaotic. There's there's and and there's sort of frontier justice sometimes, and it's all this stuff that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Because I see my my wife. We have two kids, and my wife showers each of them with attention, ladles them with attention and makes right. sure that all of their emotional needs are met. And I'm always enraged. I'm, 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 I'm oh, jealous yeah. because I'm, you know, she's like, well, how did you feel about that, uh, Beckett? And Nev, how does that make you feel? And I'm going to go talk to her because she seems a little upset. So I'm going to go spend a half an hour with her and talk to her. And I'm I'm furious because that's yeah, not like how it happened. She's on the job and just shot a suspect. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like her phone died. No, but you, you know feel, what, but you you feel know, that way, right? Oh, my God. I used to do a bit about this. I, I was in the grocery store one time, and there was this kid crying because he wanted something, and it, his, his mother didn't give it to him, and it made me feel good. And I wanted to be like, yeah, get used to that. Yeah. You know? And then one time when I saw a mother gave into it, like I got mad, and as an adult, I wanted to trip this toddler. You wanted to trip a toddler. I didn't do it, but like that was the thought in my head. Like I wish that kid would fall down and get hurt, and I didn't do it, so I get to enjoy watching him cry. <laughs> <laughs> you know so, what's funny? Well, a long time ago when I was in English class, there was a in, in high school, there was this story that everybody hated, and I loved it. But like it was the football players, cheerleaders, they all hated it. So I knew the pecking order. I was I was just you know I was background. Like it was, a, it was sure. if it was a movie, like I was just the guy walking by and. Background, you know, me just walking through yeah, the high yeah. school and then like all the football players and stuff. So it was a, this story about there was this kid, he was up in a tree and there was two older, older kids were playing catch and he was sort of heckling them and just being a dick. And then he <laughs> fell out of the tree and started crying. I forget how it ended, but I just remember thinking that was perfect because I wanted them to beat the shit out of the kid. And, but you couldn't because you get in trouble. But then like nature just did it for him. Yeah. So then you got to enjoy watching him cry and you couldn't get in trouble. So yeah. when the adults showed up, like, what happened? What happened? I fell out of the tree. You know what that is? That's biblical justice. Yeah. That's God took care of that. It still bugs me to this day that I didn't have the courage to raise my hand in that class and say my, as everyone was going, oh, stupid. I mean, didn't do a good goalie well. <laughs> These football players, I'll be like, I loved it. Little shit fell out of the tree, started crying, and they didn't get in trouble. I wish that happened in my life. Now, okay, so now four stars with your <laughs> with, with your child. Mm-hmm. You're obviously going to shower more attention. Do you ever feel at all jealous that your child is going to get more attention 
than you got. No, I'm not going to. Well, and Sona's, my assistant's here laughing because she sees how obsessed I am with this topic. What is it, yeah. Sona? No, I'm just, it's it's the thing about being jealous of your kid for just getting attention and love. That's yeah. only something someone from a family of six kids would think about. I'm enraged at my children. <laughs> forgetting, forgetting the attention. When I see I the did. joy. When I see the joy on my child's face. That, that you're giving them, And also, the they're growing up uh, without any uh, deep emotional wounds, and I resent that. So I've got to feel like I have to manufacture. No, but them. I think that that's that's something that like I've heard like uh, like a lot of rappers that you know grew up in you know crazy tough neighborhoods, and then all of a sudden they're in the Hollywood Hills. There's like that thing where it's like, okay, I'm so happy my kid doesn't have to deal with any of this stuff. But is my kid just going to be this little like I don't know what the proper word is? What you're supposed to say now? We used to say a pussy. Like, is this kid just going to be some spineless, like, you have like to just, at yeah. some point there's got to be, he's got to scrape his knee or something because he's going to go out. And this is the thing. There's all of this crap out there about, you know, don't bully and don't do this and don't do that and all of this type of stuff. And everything's been labeled and they got all these kids doing this stuff. But when they go out in the real world and they get on the treadmill and it's all about, you know, making money and it's cutthroat, all of those rules are out the window. Yes. Like adults bully the shit out of each other. They're mean. They still say stuff. It's just it's just at, an, at another level. So if you're going to just have them kind of be like the boy in the bubble and then just let them out there and be like, okay, I did my job. He's he's not this. He's not that. He doesn't do this. He doesn't do that or anything like that. But he never got into a fight. Like that's like we already have like a thing like me and my wife. Like she wants, you know, my daughter obviously to go to like ballet classes and stuff. I'm like, no, she's also going to learn some MMA because <laughs> <laughs> no, because I feel like anytime an attacker would come in, like I, I feel like on the down low, like and, and nobody should know, especially sex offenders, that women should all learn that stuff because those guys, you know. If they're going to sexually violate a woman, they got to get in close. And like all those women that I watch in the UFC when they know jujitsu, whenever I see that, it was just like, I would love one of those pieces of shit to ever pick on somebody like this because they're just right in there and they just automatically get them in a triangle, choke them out. The cops will be there. They'll break their arm. Like whatever they got to do, they'll beat the shit out of them. And I was somebody initially when I saw the UFC women were getting into it. I was like, oh, no, I don't want to watch them beating the crap out of each other and stuff. And now that I, I watched, I'm like, this is great because I always felt like, you know, with all this Me Too shit that's out there now, like something that I've kind of started to understand is like, uh, do you know that feeling you get when you watch like those behind the scenes in like prisons? Yeah. You know, and you watch that and all you think is, how the hell would I survive in there? Jesus Christ, I can imagine these, these guys walking around trying to do that stuff to you. And it's just like, you know, women have to deal with that having not committed a crime, just kind of walking down the street or something. Not saying all the time, like going to the grocery store, but like at, late at night, like they have to go mentally where I am when I'm watching like one of these things. So uh, like, why would I want, you know, my kid to feel something like that? And if there is something out there that can prevent it, you know, I wish my wife would listen it like you do right now to this theory that I have as long because she just goes, no, no, no. She's going to learn how to dance. She's going to be a lady. It's like, yeah, and she'll know how to choke somebody out. It just, you need to have those surprise left turns to attract a mate. <laughs> Yeah. You can't well, just be going down Main Street the whole time. I like this ended with you wishing that you were married to me. That's the best place that this went. <laughs> I wish the best for you. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to resolve some But you of your- would divorce me because I would ask you to listen to your emotional needs and you wouldn't be able to handle it. I wouldn't be able to handle it. Yeah. I don't want to be listened to. Yes. I want you to think complain- you want it. I, I want to complain about it. <laughs> I, don't want to, I don't want to fix anything. I want to complain about all of it. And uh, that's what I enjoy. I finally pushed through that in the last 10 days. You did? 10 yeah. days? In the last 10 days. I, I got had, you just in time. I had, I, had, I had a breakthrough. Yeah. I'll talk about it when we get back. I had a breakthrough. Right. Now, I'm not saying I won't have some relapses of getting angry and inanimate objects and, and, and stupid shit that's out of my control. But I've, I just, I had a breakthrough. This is incredible. I want to find out about this. Let's take a quick yeah. break. And then we'll find out about Bill Burr's life-changing breakthrough that happened only 10 days ago. Hang on. And now it's time for the segment Conan O'Brien pays off the mortgage on his beach house. Yes, yes. Uh, we don't need to go into detail. A big mortgage, beach house, bills to pay. Let's pay those bills. You know, it's incredible to have the flexibility to work in all sorts of places, whether it's taking video calls from the park or emailing large files while you're grocery shopping. Sona, this is good for you. Is it? Because you're always... 
doing whatever work you do for me from fun locations. But I like blaming it on not having reception. I know, but you can't do that here. Working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network, which is why you should check out T-Mobile, Sona. Then you got no excuses. They're America's largest and fastest 5G network. With T-Mobile, you'll be covered in more places with the 5G speed you need for your life on the go. Plus, they also cover more highway miles with 5G than anybody else. Check it out if you don't believe me. Hey, Blay, you've got T-Mobile, right? I do. I was actually just up in the woods in Idlewild. It was fantastic for the weekend. And uh, my T-Mobile didn't miss it. My T-Mobile phone didn't miss it. You know, I wouldn't think you'd need a cell phone because you speak so loudly into a microphone. (laughs) Well, I had to look some stuff up. Just take it. Just take it down. I didn't know what brunch was. I can hear him. When the restaurant's open for brunch. Okay. uh, So I used uh, my T-Mobile coverage to check out brunch. That's all right. Anyway, wherever you are, you know, take it from the loud speaking Blay. If you're on the go, you want to be in the know, you want to make the show. What? Uh, T-Mobile. Okay. That's the one for you. That was I should weird. have rhymed it with go. Anyway, <laughs> find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. Fastest based on median overall combined 5G speeds according to analysis by Ookla of speed test intelligence data Q3 2023. C5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. way in today, Sona, I was thinking about just how much has changed over the years. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, we were all dancing the jitterbug and the Watusi. And then you grow up now and there's mosh pits and everything's gone (laughs) cuckoo. There's this new thing called rap. I don't know what's happening anymore. But guess what? In a world full of change, there's one thing that hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. The great taste of Miller Lite. Are you with me on oh, this? Oh, yeah. I'm right there with you. Yeah. And you know, another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. Yeah. I hate a filling beer. Yeah. When I have a filling beer, I just want to sit down in a beanbag chair for six days, but not oh. with Miller Lite. So what's the best thing about the original light beer? Mm-hmm. Back in 1975, the big debate in America was what's more important, that it It's less filling Miller Lite or it tastes great. Yeah. The cool thing is when we all realized it's both. Okay. It's less filling and it tastes great. Yeah, right. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality. Great taste. Only 96 calories. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and it's less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Conan. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Yeah. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. If most people are being honest, no one really knows what you do for work, right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, especially if you're in a, what I like to call B2B. Oh, you know? what, what is that? I'll explain. Okay. That's a business doing business with other businesses. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I call it B2B. It's a little thing. It's also, uh, it's a boy band I'm working on. <laughs> anyway, fortunately, LinkedIn has a network of professionals who get what you do and you can reach the right people who matter most to your company because they're LinkedIn. Yeah. That's what they do. LinkedIn has over, this is the fun part to say, one billion members. Are you serious? Yeah. That's not, that's more people than are on earth because there are people on the moon using it and Saturn. (laughs) (laughs) That's one over 1 billion members on its platform, including 70 million decision makers. God, I'd like to meet a decision maker. Since LinkedIn members are regularly updating their work history, you can precisely build a target audience by job title, industry, company, and more. Man, you can reach the right people for your, I'm going to say it again, B2B business with LinkedIn ads. Yeah. Gets even better because LinkedIn will give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Hmm. There you go. Just go to linkedin.com slash Team Coco to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash Team Coco. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. And we're back. I know. And I'm literally going to be telling you this, this emotional breakthrough, like a fat person that lost five pounds. Like I'm not going to go back to Twinkies. Um, <laughs> yeah. Three days into a diet. I cracked it. I got it. I got to figure it out, dude. I'm going to have the washboard middle. Now they 600 pounds. 
It's going to come off. No, I just, I don't know what happened. I'm just sick of getting into arguments with people. And I'm sick of getting into arguments with like my wife. And I, I went to this, this Dodger game. And then when I went home, my wife was mad at me because uh, she didn't feel that she was invited to the pregame because my friends came over and I had to get some beer for us. You know, one of the few times I actually sent her out to go do shit. She does that to me all the time. Um, can you swing by? That's her big word. It's always in the complete opposite direction. I always want to send her a definition of swinging by. It usually means on the way. <laughs> Not can you burn another half a tank of gas past the house. Um, so anyways, I came home and she's like, the, all the lights were out in the house. So I go, oh, let's go down, you know, sit outside on the back porch, quietly smoke cigars and talk about how the Red Sox are one game away. Can you believe this, right? So she texts me at like 1130. She's like, where are you? I'm on the back porch. And she just lights into me about the whole day, how she hasn't been invited or everything like that. So normally, I, I, I would have just gotten into it. It's like, how are you not inviting to something that was going on in your own house? Why, why do you need an invitation? Yeah, why do you need an invitation? Home. And not only that, you have, you have women over here all the fucking time. And I feel you subconsciously being like, Bill, get the fuck out of here. And I, and I get it. I, I screw. I get out of there. I know you guys want to talk about all of what you want to talk about, whatever. But I like when my, my, my wife hangs around because she's hilarious. She breaks balls. And then my guy friend's always like, oh, my God, you got the coolest wife ever. I'm like proud of her. But I don't know what happened. I kind of got off the road. I didn't ask about her day. You know, it's that one little thing, and then yep. it just all starts tumbling. So I went upstairs, and I just kept saying, I'm not going to get into an argument with you. I, I love you, and you love me. I'm not leaving you. You're not leaving me. This is stupid. Like, what is the problem? And she just kept, ah, no, forget it, forget it. And I had to, like, just slowly pull it out of her. And I found out that that's what it was. I didn't ask about her day. And I said, you're right. I should have done that. All right? I apologize. Now, can you come over here or are you going to go to bed angry? She was a little stubborn. And, and I, just, I just kept saying, I'm done with this. I'm saying it out loud. So hopefully I do it. I'm saying, I'm not doing it anymore. And if she gives me the honeydew list, rather than bitching about it, I'm just going to knock it out. And I'm going to test this theory, the ha happy wife, happy life thing, you know? which I've been joking about in my life that it sounds cute because it rhymes, but it really is a threat. And it's kind of weird that all this progressive feminism out there, that they're sitting there talking about being kept women when most guys are in my situation. They don't beat their wives. They're not assholes. But basically, they're in a situation that unless they do everything that another adult says, there's no happiness in the house. And somehow, like, that's progressive. Okay, you achieved no breakthrough. That's what I'm getting. That's what I'm getting right now. You have not achieved a breakthrough. You said you had achieved a breakthrough. Then you started talking, and now you are raging against the institution. I told you I was going to have a relapse. But I know. I know, though. But I, I realize that what I did in the like that's the key, right? And we are getting along ridiculously well. Yeah. But there just is that resentment because there's always that voice in my head, like Bill. You know, you're just you're getting along. <laughs> So well with her because you're just doing everything that she says. Like, how is this fair? But I, I have enough. I've carved out enough space. You know, I got my little space in the back where I can uh, smoke cigars. And then I soundproof the garage. And I have a drum kit in there. And that's another thing I do. We start getting into a fight. I go, I'm going for a walk. And I go in the garage. And I play like two Pantera songs. <laughs> And then I don't care. <laughs> and I'm having a good time. And I come back out. And I don't even remember, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to move it? I'll move it over there. And then next day, tell me to move it back. And I'll, I don't give a shit. That's a good no, idea. I don't want you to say you don't give a shit. You know, that's another thing, too. <laughs> I want you to mean it when you do it. This can't just be a, a, a system. You know right. what I mean? You have right. to be emotionally connected to what they want. I'm almost there, Conan. It's like, no, it's you're, like, not, it's, it's you're not close. It's you're a screen close. door. It's a screen door. You're not close. You're not close. There's no, several. That's, you, that's your own issues. Oh, you know what I hate is when people say, you're, don't say project. I hate the way people say project. Oh, you told the whole story how you projected your childhood on your own children. That's true. Your seed. <laughs> but here's the thing. What I don't like about the projecting thing is that there are times where I'll see, some, it, it's like we live in this culture now where someone with a, can, can take a gun and can shoot someone else and then you can run up to that person and say, you just shot We've that. always lived in a country like that, Hold by on. the way. Hold on. Let me finish. I don't know if you've and read a history someone, book. That's kind of how it went down. And then someone runs over. <laughs> then someone runs over to the guy who just shot someone and says, hey, I can't believe you just shot that guy. I didn't do that. You're just projecting that onto me. That's, what we, that's the culture we have now. Everything's that's, projected onto you. You don't think that you. that's a bit of an extreme example? I think it is. Listen, you've never been in like a, a bad mood and just taken it out on somebody? Sona, or like Sona, what do you think? Yes, he has. Okay. Oh, yeah. He has often. Yeah. Okay. But I do it all the time. It's pretty amusing, isn't it? 
It's amusing because it's passive aggressive in a very frightening way. I have a lazy. It's funny. People are laughing when I'm mad at them. (laughs) I get them laughing. And then they're like, they're tearing up because they're really laughing at this passive aggressive thing I'm doing about how they just fucked up. And then I walk away and they realize they've been cut six different times across the abdomen. Oh, but, and awful. Uh, it's awful, right? It's I can't awful. wait for the behind the scenes. This is the behind <laughs> the scenes. Oh, this is. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I'm an awful person. He's uh, awful. Wait, the hey, worst. Take, wait a minute. Sorry. Come on. <laughs> Only he's allowed to say how awful he is. Yeah. Because yeah. he's. you're supposed to go, no, Coney, you're not that bad. Oh, no, no, no. That's oh, not no. our relationship at all. He oh, is, is the it? worst. No. <laughs> <laughs> he's the worst. So, uh, so this is interesting. So you've got, you know, there's this theory that- I've been doing for three days, and it's the happiest three days of my marriage so far. Okay. Well, let's <laughs> She's doing this. everything she says for me to do. There's this theory that we uh, are easier to deal with, men, as we get older because our testosterone falls. They always they can never give us credit for just having wisdom. You know what I mean? It can never be like a guy is actually smart. Despite all the shit we've invented, it just has to be, oh, this is just a chemical thing. Like, yeah, like, and also like a dem- you've been given you've been given a sedative. Speaking of testosterone, it's borderline illegal now to have testosterone. Like this, this whole champion of the beta male is just like I, I just don't understand. Which is fine, you can be like that. You know, I got a friend of mine. He loves Sex in the City, which I think when you watch it, it's so campy. It should still, be he it, still likes it. He like it should be a musical. Every time I drive my wife nuts, like she won't watch that show in front of me because the oversexed one there. Like every joke is the same joke. So I just, I'm in the other room. Every time she does a punchline, I just go, cause she's a whore. <laughs> <laughs> Which one is that? Samantha? It's Samantha. Yeah. I always feel so bad for Kim, Kim Cattrall. It's just like, you couldn't give her anything else. She told the same fucking joke for like seven years. She never poked her head into the writer's room being like, hey, what if she's, uh, you know, has a hobby? <laughs> you know, she, she know. did have a hobby. She's into sailing when yeah. she was a kid, or she right. got back into horseback riding or something. Oh, she's into giant horse cocks? No, no, she just likes to ride horses. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that show. Well, here's I, my question really for you What's Do you that? ever fear yes. that as your rage drops and you become more centered, this is a total comedian's fear, that you lose the edge? No. Not even remotely. That's that's like the worst thing of that whole thing. If you get happy that you're not going to be uh, funny. And that's like, you know, so I had a kid, this ridiculous level of love that you then experience. But then what immediately happens is, is there's this fear of, oh, my God, what if something happens to this wonderful thing? So then your comedy comes out of the fear. Like one of the first jokes I had was the first time I walked out onto the front porch with my daughter, my first thought was, what if a bird of prey swoops in <laughs> and takes my baby? And I, I went through the whole thing of how I would kill this bird. I think I ripped its <laughs> leg off and stabbed it with its own talons. Do you remember that in, in uh, Saving Private Ryan when that yep. guy was trying to hold off the yes, knight? And yes, that guy, and they slowly and they push it through. That, that's what I did to the bird. In your mind. In my mind, Let's yeah. just be clear that you did that in your yeah, mind. Yeah, but so since that... Um, so, so you, it just it just comes from that. Yep. And uh, I agree with you. By the way, yeah. I don't think. Uh, first of all, if someone said it's a choice, you can either be funny or be happy. I'd say happy. Give me happy. I'll take that. If it was a choice, I don't think right. it is a choice because I think uh, that's a tough one. I, I'm not there mentally that because uh, my whole way of connecting with people is I make them laugh, and like that just comes from you know growing up with orange hair, and it was just like I got to make these people laugh before they beat the shit out of me. Well, that's you're, you're talking. You're preaching to the choir. Yeah, that's I mean, essentially what it was. I hated the way I looked when I grew up. You know what I wanted to do? I wanted jet black hair. I wanted to look like Bob Crane on Hogan's Heroes. <laughs> Jack I thought, Lord. I, no, Jack Lord was my hair. I, I thought that a man, a real man, was supposed to have jet black hair. And I had, you know, sort of orangish hair. My two front teeth were dead. And I had freckles and a round face. And that's, I just- That's a tough hand, dude. You got to fold on that one. It was, no. I, trust me. I tried to fold. and uh, You no, got to play it, the hand. It was bad. I played the hand, but that's where you learn. I got to be funny. I hated the punk rock kids. I hate it when they came and they dyed their hair some crazy color and everybody thought they were so radical. And I just remember that you can wash that out and rejoin the Matrix whenever you want. Like, this is like a fucking life sentence. Yeah. No, I used to think that. I used to think if, if I had brown or, or black hair, I would have a girlfriend right now. I would literally, yes. like, yeah. literally think shit like that. Like, I swear to God, if I had brown or black hair, I don't think I'd be in this business. I'd probably just be some, you know, jackass driving a truck or something. 
Yeah. Did you, uh, was there anyone you wanted to look like that you envied their look and you thought, yeah, I wish I looked oh, like Oh, yeah, all of them. Uh, Burt Reynolds, like the whole thing, the whole look growing up, Burt Reynolds was the model. Like, it was like, you had to have, you had to be able to get a tan, you had to have jet black hair, you had to have the mustache. And it went, it was Burt Reynolds, then it went to uh, Tom, Tom Selleck. Selleck. Tom Selleck, yeah. And then there was Matt Houston. Yep. All of these guys were sure. just like subsets. They were all the same guy, and they had the curly, wavy hair. The shirt open, right, with the medallion sort of thing, and uh, they just were guys, guys. But I love those guys, and I, I thought, like, uh, you know, you know, Burt Reynolds' passing was really in the an end of an era for a guy that they really don't aren't, aren't going to allow you to be anymore. Like, they're yeah. not going to allow a guy to kind of have that kind of fun anymore. And, and what's so stupid is they act like th- there there wasn't willing participants. You know what I mean? Like, there just can't be this charismatic guy that all the women want to bang. And then he just can't go out and bang them all and have a good time. Like, I think so much of what's going on right now is women who are like fours and fives are mad that they're not being treated like tens, you know? Okay. Which annoys me as a five. This is Bill Burr talking now. Yeah, but this- That's his voice. This this annoys me. Conan's over here listening to him. This annoys me as a five. I'm like, get a personality. Start telling some fucking jokes. Like, I don't get mad that I'm not, like, the copper tone model. You know, there needs to be more diversity. It's like, no, you pasty fuck. We're trying to sell some stuff here. Beautiful people exist for a reason. Like, they they can sell stuff. They're fun to look at. You know, I love a beautiful movie star. I don't think that regular people should be up there. If I want to do that, I'll go in a bus station. I am happy to be 90th on the call sheet, going in, handing something to a beautiful actor in all the movies that I'm in. You stare into it. That's what you do. If you're not good looking, you just steer into it. You yeah. don't try to make good looking people feel bad for being good looking. I mean, there's a, there's a whole bunch of life that they don't even understand until their looks start. They get their pain when their looks go away, okay, and they haven't built any solid relationships with anybody. <laughs> and then their big AMX card of looks gets canceled. It's like, what's his face in uh, Trading Places? You, you're like... Dan Aykroyd. You just go, it's all, it all, it all goes. goes away. And the next year you're eating a fucking sandwich and your Santa Claus beard is getting in it. They're okay. going to get their pain. Here's the question, though. Do you think that there are handsome people out there that are really funny? Burt Reynolds was hilarious. Exactly. Exactly. And let me just add a quick, quick, quick story. Burt Reynolds, really not long before he died, I think months before he died, came on our show. And I went back to say hi to him in the, in the dressing room. Mm-hmm. And he was sitting down. He had trouble getting up. And, yeah, he used uh, to play he football needed, and did all those stunts. Yeah, yeah, he needed help. And so he didn't get up. And, and I had been told he, he had trouble with that. So I just uh, sat in a chair that was right up next to him to just thank him for coming and chat with him and try mm-hmm. and put him at ease. And as I was talking to him, he reached over and he started to massage my back. And he was massaging my back. And it was one of the best massages I've had. <laughs> and... And I just, I was like, yeah, I just leaned into it. I did. I just was like, Burt Reynolds is my hero from when I was a kid (laughs) is massaging my back. And I was going like, oh, that feels good. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. You got a knot right here. I'm going to get that for you. And I thought, I am now so many women in 1972 getting a massage from Burt Reynolds. And I love it. I loved it. Yeah, I like how homoerotic it is, too, because guys back then were like so straight. They almost became gay again. Like, you know, what's the funniest thing ever. Men of a certain age, if you go into a steam room, yeah. like everybody our age down, you got a towel over yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those guys are like so straight. They just come walking in with their junk hanging out like, hey, how you doing? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Just like, Jesus Christ, buddy. They don't, it doesn't occur to them. It doesn't. It's a problem. Yes. It, it, it was not even like, I didn't even think that they, like homosexuality was so not even out presented anywhere in mainstream, I think that's my only way to like get around like how the, their behavior. It's it's a running joke between me and my friends that we go. I go on the road with, like when we see an old guy coming, like starting to change, we just start laughing because we just sit there. Okay, here we go. Here comes this guy with his his uh, depression era junk that's going to come walking. <laughs> Hey, that pe- that penis fought Hitler. The, uh, yeah, you know, the, give the him a break. Greatest generation dick and balls is about yeah, ready to yeah. come in here. <laughs> we took the beach with yeah. this cock. <laughs> give me a break. That's how I didn't get shot. I hid behind my junk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but those guys back then, like, uh, like just the, the lives that they were uh, that they were they were living. So I mean, back then you you looked up to them. Now I, I don't know. I don't know where it went. Is what happens. Oh, the testosterone drops. The you know, the uh, 
the fluorides in the water. Probably. Right? The lizard people all meeting. I would love to hear what they really talk about, you know, at those meetings. You know, there's no way they're not talking about the population problem in water. What people? What are you talking about? At the Bilderberg. The Bilderberg group, you know, the most powerful people, military and all that. The, you mean you know. they get together and they talk about Well, population? it's not a secret where they, where they meet and who's there. They just won't say what they talk about, which I un- understand to a certain extent. But you can't tell me that somebody's not in the middle of the meeting like, hey, uh, seven billion people. I'm just saying. <laughs> Wait, just, that's, that's the just, result of just, his study? Just throwing that out there. I'm just, hey, seven million, just saying. Swirl of trash, two and a half times the size of Texas, two miles deep out in the Pacific Ocean. I think the robots, that's what it's going to be. Are you a conspiracy theorist? Uh, yeah, but I'm Because I am not. But I am I am, I am like, not. I, I think people, when they get into these small elite rooms, talk about stuff that is very mundane and boring, and they don't know much more than we do. I really believe that. I think that makes you feel better. I think you're projecting. No, I'm kidding. Oh, God. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I can't handle it anymore. I, know, I love that I know something now that gets under your skin. No, I am. I oh. definitely am. Right, but I, but I, I don't think the I don't think the world is made out of cheese. But I also don't look at <laughs> no one does the moon. Sorry, the moon. Um, but I'm just saying they, they go. Oh, oh, put on your fucking tinfoil hat. You know, I'm just. <laughs> I just you know. You're uh, you went political at the end, and that disappointed mm-hmm. me. You're a hilarious uh, gentleman, a hilarious Thank individual. You. What I love about this format, I've not been doing this long, and I know you do this. Only yeah. you don't need a guest. You just talk yourself, which I think is the height of narcissism, you have the nerve. Uh, here I am, and I'm not going to talk to anybody. No, you know what I it go. is? You know what it really stems from? It's what? laziness. I don't want to deal with telling somebody where I live and, oh, dude, my fucking wife told me to go blah, 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 blah. And then I got to, you know, can we reschedule this for next Tuesday? I just didn't want to deal with that. Yeah. And um, yeah. so- now, but I, I have guests on. I'd yeah. love to have you on. Oh, come on. We'll do my, the same. We'll do the, the flip side of this. Yes. Well, watch for me. Watch for me. What the fuck was that? This is literally what it's become. We've just talked to each other for an hour, and now you're going to come on mine, and we're going to talk for another hour. That's all hour. it is. That's, That's what, what I think is going to be the end of all wars, is that everyone's going to have a podcast, and people are going to be so busy going on each other's podcasts, there'll be no crime. There'll be no violence. <laughs> yeah. Also, no one growing crops. But we'll just all quietly, as a civilization, go to sleep, and, uh, and the planet will die. Now, all, it's made all of that cheese. has to be is that whole thing, all that has to be, you take the humor out of that, yeah. and you're a conspiracy theorist. Yeah. That's all it is. It's a yeah. very little, just move just the needle. a slight, slight move. Yeah. All Stop right. being silly. Me. Be more serious. All right. Yeah. Thank you. You cured me. Hey, and I'm glad you reached, <laughs> and Bill, it's clear to me that you really have reached nirvana and an inner peace. Um, <laughs> is, this, just, is this this passive aggressive? There's, nothing, there's nothing but bile all over the table. Uh, but it's Boston bio, which is the best kind. I uh, am like the happiest I've ever been. I know. It scares. That's the saddest thing you've ever said. Uh, <laughs> all right. We're going to go. I'll uh, come on here whenever you want me to come on. I love coming over. I got nothing but great memories of uh, coming over here. All right. Uh, you know, uh, some of, you know I've, I've gotten a lot by doing your show. I've been using you, Conan. I really have. I, I was love- like, where is there another redheaded male that I can hitch my wagon to? <laughs> <laughs> and I did it, God damn it. All right. Thank you. you God don't bless. Return my calls. God bless. All right. Thank go, you, Colin. Go socks. Over and out. And now it's time for a segment called Conan O'Brien pays off the mortgage on his beach house. I gotta say, everywhere I go, people are talking about Monopoly Go, and oh. for good reason. It's an absolute hit. Yeah. I love Monopoly. People love Monopoly. And look, Monopoly's been around for a very long time. It's one of the oldest board games ever. Okay? Okay. But lately I walk around and I just hear like, Monopoly Go, Monopoly Go, Monopoly Go. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? What are you guys talking about? And they say, we're playing Monopoly Go. You can play it with your family, your friends. It's a straight delight. There's always something new to do. Partner events where you can build on each other's boards and Crazy tournaments with team events you can recruit your friends for. Or you can just compete to outdo them all on the leaderboards. Mm. And when you're not messing with your family and friends, Monopoly Go is always throwing new stuff at you. They have taken Monopoly to the next level. I didn't think Monopoly had to go to the next level, but they did. (laughs) (laughs) There's timed events like massive multipliers for all your winnings and challenges like treasure hunts or money sprees that have fun new mini games, plus with tons of rewards to collect, like stickers for trading with friends and hilarious emojis that are perfect for gloating, there's always a reason to dip back in. Yeah. Man, they cracked it, you know? They did. So join the fun. Download Monopoly Go now free on the App Store 
and Google Play. Conor Brian Needs a Friend is sponsored by ADT, introducing ADT Self Setup, featuring everything from motion sensors to Google Nest Cam and the Nest Doorbell with a battery or wired option. Your choice. Easily install the ADT Self Setup security system at your convenience. You don't need heavy duty tools. And if you do need help, ADT can provide virtual assistance along the way. Self-setup from ADT grows, moves, and adapts as your needs change. You can add more products at any time, and your system easily moves wherever life takes you. It also features Nest Cams that can tell the difference between a person, an animal, a vehicle, or with the Nest doorbell, even a package. These things are getting so smart. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. You can view video of an alarm event and verify or cancel an alarm with just one quick tap. Now everyone can get trusted security from ADT installed your way with no long-term contracts. When the most trusted name in home security adds the intelligence of Google, well, (laughs) you've got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. Google, Nest Cam, Nest Doorbell, and Nest Aware are all trademarks of Google LLC. Bill, this is Matt. In the beginning, you said that you felt great. Why are you talking to me like we're on the phone? Bill, this is Matt. <laughs> Just Come in, Bill. People know who you are. They don't know who I am. You should have said hello, everyone. I'm Matt. Hello. I'm here with Bill. Jesus Christ, Bill. That's, okay. there we go. In the beginning, you said that you felt great about being Conan's friend, but you Now also, I think he's completely out of his mind. After spending an hour with him. You don't want to be his friend? Yeah. Or, Once the HD makeup's gone and you really look into <laughs> his soul, which you can see because he's a redhead like me, we're transparent. You also said you wanted to be his best friend. His best friend? I said that? You did That's say creepy. that. That's creepy. Yeah. Do you still feel that way? No, I think I just always wanted an older, redheaded, older brother. Okay. <laughs> who didn't beat the shit out of me. Because oh he related. <laughs> my older <laughs> brother had brown hair, so he didn't have, he, there was no empathy. Is that where your desire to have the brown hair look came from? No, it was, it was the ass kickings. Oh, the okay. inordinate amount of ass kickings that I was getting just because I was there. Right. As opposed to the fact that I actually did something deserving of it. But you, you're, I really sound like a feminist right now. <laughs> I just feel like if, if I had brown hair, all the doors would fly open and no one would be mean to me. I love trash and feminists. You know why? They, they, you don't have to use bait. They just jump in the boat. They're the easiest people to upset. I just want to know if you want to be If I could do an entire tour of women's colleges, it would be my favorite year of stand-up ever. Why don't you? I don't know. I, you know what? Maybe I'll pitch that. <laughs> and every night I'll just put the video up. Do you want to be Conan's friend? Do you want to be Conan's friend? You're really harping on this. This is weird. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not sure yet. All right. I don't feel good. I felt great about the ending of the real podcast. This aftermath, I don't feel good about. Well, I feel we, like you just got some sort of information out of me. And I'm going to walk through a false panel here. And I'll never see my kid again. All right. We, we just what is that this, button? Is that some sort of Freemason thing what? next to your pocket? Oh, God. It's just a button. All right. You Okay. I am fine, but, you know, I was in a much better mood a minute ago. So I want you to know, I don't mean this in a bad way, but I want you to go fuck yourself. I understand. And I want you to stop doing this to guess because this isn't right. Okay. This is going to, you know, what did he hire you to do? Creep people out before they went into traffic? I don't understand you as a person. Maybe it's because you have brown hair and you can't relate. But didn't you just say that you shouldn't? Stop trying to assimilate into my world. Jesus Christ. And appropriating my pigmentless culture. (laughs) Didn't you say to leave those people alone? Who? The people with the brown hair that did not begrudge them. The You're not a good looking guy. I didn't I say was I was. good looking people. I didn't say I was. You look like that guy in the coming of age movie that they do the makeover on. You know what I mean? Back in the 80s. No, I don't. Uh-uh. You do. No, I know. I don't know what you mean. I, I'm not. Oh, you don't. All right. Well, that. I'm old. Okay. You remember the Andrews sisters? Yeah. You look like don't their manager. Don't sit under the apple tree. You look like their manager. Wow. That was the biggest insult from the 1940s. You want to go back another decade? Because I'll do it. I guess. Oh, I'm kidding. Anyways, thank you for having me on, Matt. I'll see you at home. Yeah. <laughs> now it's time to uh, listen to some voicemails from some fans and answer some questions. I await with anxiety. Okay. This next question is about your staff. Conan, what is your favorite part of messing with your staff? I uh, hope to hear back. Thanks. Bye. Wow, that's a good question. My favorite part of messing with my staff. To be completely honest, it's every kid's fantasy 
to sort of be all powerful. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You know, kids put on like a, a, they tie a cape around their neck and they think they're Superman and they jump off a balcony. I have this little world, a little Willy Wonka factory and I'm Willy Wonka. And if you're gonna be at the Willy Wonka factory, be Willy Wonka, it's great. And I walk around and I say all these crazy things and no one can, I'm very silly. I speak in like a fake language that I've made up. I call everybody chopper. Mm-hmm. I refuse to call them by the name. Hey there, chopper. What's up there, chopper? <laughs> Looking good there, chopper. I kick open doors instead of opening them regularly. There's a couple of the writers that I wrestle. Uh, it's madness. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite thing to do with you is when you're holding a cookie that you just got downstairs in the green room. I hate this. And you're so happy with it. As I'm walking by, I crumble the cookie. Yeah. And one move. And you always say, you dick. You dick. I say, you you're, you dick. Yeah. I call you a dick. Yeah, in front of everyone. And everyone laughs. We all enjoy it. In fairness, I do then come back and help you pick up the pieces of crumbled cookie. No, you don't. You're right. I've never done that. No, you've never done that. You okay. did that this week. I was holding a package of Oreos I was really excited about. I, you know what it is? I see how excited you are. I'm not kidding. You get so excited about a pack of Oreos, like it's the pot of gold at the end of a rainbow and only you just found it. And then I reach over and I crush it. Now, to be fair, you could still pour that over the top of an ice cream cone. Uh, Yeah, but I want my full Oreos. You took that experience away from me. I don't do this all the time, but it's just fun to be uh, a madman who's in charge of an insane little kingdom. Yes. I enjoy it. And absolute power does corrupt, absolutely. And I'm saying that is a good thing. Yeah, okay. This next question is about sports. Conan, just wanted to know, what uh, celebrity really gets you heated when it comes to sports? Like, I know you're a big Boston fan, so uh, who do you get pissed off at? All right, have a good one, man. He seemed to get dispirited at the end of his message. Yeah. He said his thing, and then he was like, huh, well, all right, man. I felt like his spirit leave his body. That's a good one. I have to say it. There's no specific celebrity, like a team gets hot and then they're in the playoffs and suddenly these celebrities that you never associated with that team start showing up. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't have a specific name, but I've just noticed I'll be watching TV and the Brewers, you know, will be in the, oh, the Brewers for the first time are in the World Series. This is really exciting. And let's say there's Carmen Electra in the front row. What? (laughs) Where has she been? She loves her brewers. Where's she from? (laughs) She's from Las Vegas, Nevada. And she loves her brewers. And she's got a new show called Electra doing it uh, to the jam jam, you know. (laughs) That's a terrible title. You should tell her that. It's her title, you know. Do you know what I mean? You're just, you're watching it and... Well, the Brewers, it's so exciting. Everyone's excited here in Milwaukee. And there's Dame Judi Dench. (laughs) She's in the front row and she's trying to lead the wave. Dame Judi Dench says she's loved the Brewers since since she was a little girl. (laughs) Growing up at Hogwarts. What? It's just nonsense. I don't like I like I don't like it. I don't like celebrities. And I hate it on Fox when they're trying to promote a show. Have you noticed this? They're trying to promote a show and Fox will have the World Series. And the camera just happens to find the entire cast of the new show. <laughs> and the show hasn't even come on the air yet. And they'll be like, well, we're back with some big baseball. Show. What do we have here? <laughs> it's Willem Dafoe and Christy Brinkley and seven kids who play their children from the cast of Fox is All New. Get up there, Jub Jub. <laughs> People don't travel around together that are on a sitcom. It's never happened. What's next? Oh, let's do number six. Okay, this bothers me because you seem really excited about question yeah. number six. Conan, can you please let me know if you bought Sona a new car? Because you destroyed hers, and it's only fair. Thanks, bye. I love this question. Uh, for those of you who don't know, on the air, I noticed that uh, Sona's car is a little dilapidated. It's a Jetta. Mm-hmm. And how old is it? 11 years old. 11 years old. And I think it has over 900,000 miles on it. It has 160,000 miles on it. It's been to Mars and back four times. And um, looks like it, actually. Looked like it burned up during re-entry on one of those trips. It's in rough shape, that car. And so we went looking for a new car for you. 
And I thought, you know, it's supposed to be funny. It's a funny segment. It's not funny if I buy you a nice car. I would have enjoyed it. You would have enjoyed it, but you wouldn't have laughed and people watching it wouldn't have laughed. So I found you the least expensive car I could find. I think we paid, and I'm not kidding, $50 for this car. And I gave it to you. So I did give you a car. Now, granted, it looks like a family of nine was murdered in the back seat. There's just torn up upholstery, and you wouldn't even get in it. No, I hate. Describe the disgusting. car. It was smelly. It was completely just just stained inside. Weird stains too. So many weird stains that don't look normal. No. It was. I think most of the time they brought it, they had to push it. It was just. It didn't really work. It didn't work. And well. I had it pushed out onto television and presented to you. <clears throat> And it was funny. I think what this woman's alluding to is that earlier in this segment, we investigated your car and I may have pulled a few things off the car. You broke things. I broke a few things, but then did I not fix most of them? No, actually, no, you did not. I did. No, uh, you ripped the sunglass holder out and it broke and now it is broken. So that is not fixed. So that's something, in, in fairness, I should probably pay for. Yeah, Well, here's what I, a lot of people have asked me if you bought a new car. I think they think that on air, you presented me with this crappy car. But then after, when we went to commercial, you opened it, you're like, here's a great new practical car for you that I got you because I ruined yours. Wait, what am I suddenly, Ellen? That's what I I tell What am I, Oprah? No, that would be stealing their idea of being, giving people nice things. I can't do that. I refuse to infringe on their territory. I've carved out my own thing which is I don't give anybody anything. (laughs) I'm sorry. It's just funny to me. Look under your seats, ladies and gentlemen, and there's nothing there. It's Conan's week of nothing. Well, seven days till Christmas, you get nada. That amuses me. And I think I give the ultimate gift. Laughter. Hello? Where'd you go? You still here? Um, why don't you just do this? Because this would be in keeping with your style. Why don't you order me a new car and then have it delivered to your house? Because you've done that with plenty of things, haven't you, Sona? <clears throat> Should we get, do another question? Sure. Hey, Conan, this keeps me up at night. I just want to know who your favorite Pokemon is. Thank you. Oh, definitely Shikadoo. What? Shikadoo. Is Shikadoo a Pokemon? Yeah. He looks like, sort of like a watermelon, but he's got four eyes. I don't know anything about Pokemon. Yeah, Shikadu. I love Shikadu. I like uh, Bibliok. Okay. Stroz. Wait, what was Mixiez, that one? Pratya. <laughs> I love Haiku. Toshishipa. Okay. Gimgam. I like Gimgam. Gimgam is a clam that's covered in chocolate and it has sneakers. It's... Hakataka is my favorite. I like Hakataka. He's a little sailor's cap that has six legs. And it wears a wristwatch. Hakataka. Totally do. I like totally do. Totally do is probably the best. It's the body of a worm, and then it's the head of a 1970s game show host. I don't need to know real characters because I can do this all day and all night. You know I can. I do, and I actually was. I thought Rokopu. they were real. Rokopu. I love Rokopu. Rokopu is a toothbrush that's from Russia, and it wears a tweed suit. Rokopu. <laughs> the toothbrush? Yeah. I'll do this as long as you want to do it. Can we make I it stop? I am a bottomless well of fake Pokemon characters. Because you know what? And kids, if you're listening out there, if you can't make it in this life, fake it in this life. I know very little, but I know how to just talk. Hiki tea. It's a toilet seat with a mustache. He drives a little Volkswagen bug. Hikiti. I'll do this till the cows come home. Which reminds me of Goglihu. Goglihu is a cow who's coming home. And he's dressed like an astronaut. And he's lactose intolerant. Which is rough if you're a cow. The cow is? Why would you do this? Why would you revisit any of this? Why would you go back to the scene of the crime? It's best just to move on. You think that guy's going to be satisfied with my answer? I think I so. spent his life thinking about this, this crap, and here I am. You know, it's not right. No. Conan O'Brien needs a friend with Sonam Obsessian and Conan O'Brien as himself. 
Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco and Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon at Earwolf. Special thanks to Jack White and the White Stripes for the theme song. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts and you might find your review featured on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It too could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Silence is golden, especially when it comes to brakes. That's why Napa Silent Guard are built to be one of the smoothest and most quiet brakes on the market. Made with fiber-reinforced shims that eliminate noise for the life of the pad. Rubber-coated hardware for a better fit and quality design that meets and exceeds OE performance. Silent Guard brakes deliver the stopping power drivers demand. Available now at Napa locations nationwide. Napa.